Okay. Anyway, I that's why Rob's an asshole and doesn't uh, doesn't deserve to be running the podcast. Anyway, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hey, it turns out if you have like a couple, a few too many tabs and a couple of YouTube tabs open, the browser suddenly complains about the recording service. So, yeah. So what's really funny, and I hope this comes through on the recording when we go back through this, you started out really slow and then it all of a sudden it sped up and then evened out. It was really funny. Oh, weird. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that is up on a Wednesday night recording for some reason. I'm your host, Rob. And Kevin. Uh, Dennis and Richard are not here due to scheduling issues, and we are off schedule because this is an emergency podcast. Have we ever recorded an emergency podcast before? I... I think we have. I know we've recorded a couple, like, impromptu podcasts, but yeah, this is... This one feels like a little more urgent than some of the other like impromptu like in between podcasts we've recorded. So yeah, yeah. So this is a topic like normally we would sit on this for like a couple of weeks between like you know we just released an an episode we just released two forty seven and so here we are in episode two of forty eight and we're recording it like two days after release because uh, Games Workshop I think surprised everyone. Uh, this week by releasing something that we've only seen the like of a little bit in 8th edition, but not to this level. Yeah. And that is the new balance data slate that they announced. And uh, yeah, this, I, I don't think anyone was expecting this. No, it, it felt like it came out of the blue. And, and you know, to be, to be f- perfectly transparent here, you know, we, we even got like a little bit of a heads up earlier in the day that like, hey, we're getting ready to to announce this and put this article out there that never happens like we hardly ever like we don't get like hey there's a there's an article going up on community you might want to see like even gw kind of realizes that this is a big one this is going to generate conversations and this is this you know is important so yeah i I thought that was very interesting yeah i mean and i'm sure that and I'm sure that went out to like all the various 40k content producers. Oh, for and I sure. Like they didn't sing. Yeah, it wasn't specifically pieces. to us. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't right. specifically to just us Gosh, to like give us. Imagine a if we had that kind of draw. <sighs> you know, that'd be I mean, nice. That would be nice. I just want to go to Nottingham. I'll even pay for my ticket. I just want to go to like tour your facility. Anyway, sorry. Um, I, off topic. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that if if we could somehow get to Nottingham, they they'd be willing to sit down with us. But uh, sure, any, anyway, anyway, yeah. anyway. So 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 this is interesting because Games Workshop. You know, we're used to like okay, we get errata usually like a couple of weeks after a codex, and occasionally a little bit of errata if something's like really overpowering or if there's a a, wor- a rule that is stacking with something that it shouldn't stack with. Like we saw that with Mechanicus and the Lucius ben- bonus. So like it doesn't stack with like light cover or mm-hmm. um, we saw uh, 
the points on Drukari Raiders getting bumped up by 10 points, like with a, a couple, a month or so after their codex hits, when it was clear, like, okay, this is a little undercosted, things like that. Uh, and we used to get the, uh, during 8th edition, we got the big FAQs twice a year, generally around March and September, although that scheduling could be flexible based on, you know, events, events and things <laughs> like that. Because I f- wasn't, uh, like, one of the first, like, spring big FAQs pushed back because of Adepticon because Matt Root broke the game. Yeah, like, Adeptic, like, it was supposed to be in, and they even, like, made fun of it themselves. It was supposed to be, like, early March. Adepticon hit that weekend, and they were like, oh, we need to address more things and then like they moved it to april and like in all of the calendars like they had like the march date scratched out in april circle the is kind of funny they but they right. they did acknowledge that like no the times that we had you know march in i think october were the two times that they like they were kind of scheduling it they realized very quickly that like oh those there are big events around those dates we need to be flexible um to collect that that information from those events you know, to, to be able to include in the FAQs, which is good on their part. Yeah. And, and so we're, this is kind of in that vein and even more so, I'd say. And it actually does, this document does a few things that the big FAQs generally didn't, but we'll get into that more as we go along. Uh, so I'm just going to start by, by reading the article. And I think also, it does point to a change in philosophy and approach that GW is taking. Mm-hmm. So starting off, the Warhammer 40,000 universe is a galactic battlefield contested by myriad or contested by dozens of warring factions and hundreds of different units, rumbling vehicles, towering monsters, and myriad other forms of death-dealing entities. Yet, if you've been keeping up with the game's latest developments via, like, Warhammer 40,000 Meta Watch, we're looking at you, uh, you'll be aware that competitive play has been dominated recently by a certain type of list. Uh, you know, break here. That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> specifically two types of lists but yeah yeah two types of lists uh, but yeah it's uh, mechanicus and drukari yeah. have been cleaning up and even when they tr- have tried to do small tweaks to those it's been like playing whack-a-mole you know it's just yeah. like oh they just adjust to the the other good stuff in their codexes yeah uh, continuing, uh, Warhammer 40,000 is a game with a lot of moving parts. New codexes, campaign books, White Dwarf articles, and more are released all the time, all of which have an effect on balance in the meta. I- I'm glad they acknowledge that, that yes. we're getting s- a lot of different sources now, and any one of them has the potential to throw off the balance of this game. Uh Continuing, nevertheless, the rules team are committed to ensuring the game stays fun for everyone, no matter what army they play. This is especially important in matched play, where the principle of fairness is key to the format, not least because it's where so many players meet for a game for the first time in clubs and at tournaments. Uh, that is absolutely true. And I think yeah. that is that is a case where if somebody hits a wall of unbalanced armies, it will, like, it can even sour, like, and it has been um, souring, like, experienced long-time players. Mm-hmm. But if you were new, oh, it'd be brutal. Like, if yeah. imagine going to your first tournament and then hitting, like, a Mechanicus list or Drukari list first round. And then maybe hitting another one that lost a mirror match second yeah. round. You know, it's just like, yeah, it would just kill your, your interest in the game. Yeah, I, I'm... Like you were, you know, you we were at the same Renegade Open when I it was my first big tournament, and uh, yeah, I got completely curb stomped by knights in sixth edition, I think. 
Um, yeah, and that's about right. it, it, honestly, like if that that was like a real like it was it was a fun experience, but it, like it wasn't like a super fun experience, especially like the second <laughs> game where I was done in fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, and like if I was not already at that point, like doing the podcast and like into this and years deep into forty k. Yeah, that may have been super discouraging for me and like you know, would have could have made me reevaluate like, oh, do I want to keep doing this? So yeah, I completely get that. There's so many people that are new to the hobby that the tournaments are their, you know, their first experience and it has to be a level-ish playing field. Like you can't just let these people, you know, get rolled over constantly by by broke armies. Right. And I I think it is good you said level-ish because with the number of variables in play with like the number of factions, the number of units, the number of loadouts and combine that with like certain mission types, yeah. like the idea of getting perfect balance is not maybe is unlikely. It's well, it's unlikely. So, yeah. Like so as a brief aside, just just as kind of the the quick quick aside before you get back into the the data slate. Um the complexity is what I love about 40k. The fact that every army does play different, every army has their own shtick, their own gimmicks, their own combos that you can figure out by just playing the armies and, you know, putting lists together and, and getting it on the field. Um, there are other miniature games, board games, stuff like that, that like have much simpler rules. And I don't like them as much. I don't like the world quite as much. I don't like the, the sameness of the armies. You know, like, and I'm not going to, like, call out any other games, like, by name or anything, but, like, the the fact that 40K is, you know, is such a complex, rich rule set with so many different things going on, that's a feature to me. But it also means that, like, yeah, perfect balance is never going to be attainable, and quite frankly, like, isn't even really the main objective, like... I don't. I think perfect balance would make the game, like, would make the game kind of boring, so... Yeah, um, but but they do need to level the playing field to a degree where, like, certain armies aren't winning, you know, 60% of their games and stuff like that. <laughs> right, or really only losing to mirror matches type Right, games. yeah. Um, so, so they continue. With that in mind, today the Warhammer 40,000 rules team are releasing the first in a new quarterly series of balance updates, the Balance Data Slate, designed to help level the matched playing field. Each quarter, you can look forward to a short list of rules tweaks aimed at boosting factions that need a killer edge and taking a bit of the sting out of those riding high at the top of the competitive pile. These will complement the regular chapter-approved grand tournament mission packs in which missions, objectives, and points values will be all be updated. As always, as with all Warhammer rules, if you are not an official Games Workshop event, these balance changes are optional. You can use whatever rules you like when you play at home. So, uh, a number of things to unpack there. First, quarterly updates, uh, which, I mean, that's huge. Um, Six months, when we were at the big FAQs, I know we were looking forward to, like, March and September, or, you know, spring and fall, Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, we've had six months of like codex releases or like some army being unbalanced, some ability being unbalanced that has, or that has let, you know, some builds or others are dominating uh, or there's a weird rules interaction that no one can seem to understand or that everyone may be playing wrong. And so the big FEQ would usually come out and try to address that. 
and then we'd be on for another six months. Now we're looking at a three-month schedule between updates with an addition of wherever the uh, chapter approved fits in because obviously mission packs – you know, mission balance changes things, point values for all armies across the board getting updated, uh, secondary objectives being changed up. I mean, that those all have a very real impact on the game. So we're looking at least five updates a year, four of which are just going to be devoted to evening the field. And right. I think it is mentioned that they, they said evening the field, that uh, those armies that are doing badly because of design issues that maybe maybe didn't evidence themselves early on or didn't show up during playtesting. But now right. that we've thrown them through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of competitive games, we're now seeing like, oh, this, this needs to be pulled up. And, and other armies where that are overperforming can be pulled down a little bit. I, I always think about something that was told to me back on the other podcast that I used to do that, whatever, you know, but um, the RPG podcast where um, I, I don't remember who said it, but we were talking about fourth edition D&D and the point they brought up is like releasing something out into the world is the biggest play test ever. Like you can play test it as much as you want, but you're only playing it with some, you know, designers and people who know the game and play it a certain way. You get it out in the world, all of a the sudden there are millions of people playing it and they're going to break it in ways you didn't even think of. So like it's impossible to ever like release something and never have to touch it again. And and I think it's good that they're acknowledging that that like nope, we're going to have to adjust things up, down, you know, etc on a pretty regular basis just because we want our game to be fun for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a careful balancing act too to do with the you know with the player base because on one hand you have players who are very much of kind of an old school just make the codexes perfect when you release them and I don't want to have to track a whole bunch of errata and things like that. I want to be able to just take my books and play. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the people who are absolutely wanting a living rule set to the point where it's like everything is updated digitally and I can like balance is being constantly tweaked and revised. And I think the former leads very much to uh, stagnation and does not allow for things like typos or, um, like errors, like whether it's errors in printing mm-hmm. or we, we sometimes it's, we push the wrong revision. Like we, we actually did change it at one point, but that didn't make it into the print. We, that's happened before. Yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. the uh, Space Wolf Codex where the non English releases had different warlord traits because they had the whole saga system as opposed to the English one, which just had traditional warlord traits. So it's just like, yeah. <laughs> so so that's you know sometimes you have to allow for that and the people at the other end of the spectrum it's a laudable goal but my goodness it it is very difficult to constantly be tweaking the system and it makes it impossible for anybody to keep up with the, the changes and know what to build so uh i yeah, think for sure. leaning more towards a living rule set but on a regular schedule is a good way to go, especially in this time, you know, in this age when 
people do want to see regular updates. We're used to seeing like games updated like software. And so this is kind yeah. of that thing. Yeah, I think I think quarterly is a good balance for it because uh, like when we were when we had the big you know the big FAQs and it was every six months, you know you would get one at the end of summer and then you could legitimately have Nova, LVO, and um, the one in spring Adepticon. Sorry, all before like the next big FAQ came out. So the meta would settle before you get to like Adepticon and LVO. And then that would be the meta through these other big events. And then you would get a different meta in, you know, in the spring. And, but that would settle in for six months. So like going in and reviewing this periodically is helpful. And I think that also it doesn't sound like they're planning on, like they don't, they don't want to make things like big, like lots of changes. I think it just, you know, they talk about tweaks and, and balancing. Um, so hopefully these documents aren't like, massive massive tomes of like changes and even this one which is you know the first one they've did and it's they mentioned it's got things in it that other ones won't still only three pages you know so it's not and you know those pages are lists of points right yeah so if you're if you don't play admech or drakari this is a one page document that you have to that you have to track so download it to your phone and boom you've got it so uh, it's I think being able to make these updates more periodically will keep the updates smaller and hopefully hopefully they'll continue to include like all of the previous changes until they get a chance to print them um, so that you have just one place where here's all of the here's the balance updates. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like it's definitely a concern about rules being spread out all over the place. Like there is a you know, there is a rules bloat concern for sure. Yeah. Um, also the, um, the fact that like, if you're not at an official event, the balance changes, like if you're playing crusade, these don't necessarily apply. Like if yeah. you, you know, you don't have to use these, but you can, if you want, and which is typical GW, we don't want to dictate how you play, but at the same time having you know, like saying, but for match play, it's very important that we have this balance. Yeah. We'd really like you to use them for match play. And you know, something you said before recording is that they kind of have skin in the game now as far as match play. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into like the specifics of the changes, but a lot of the changes on AdMech feel like they're targeting like specific players at their events that, that did really well and, and ran, you know, a, a really good, powerful AdMech list. Um, now that they're running these events and they're more involved with it, they have, they have more of an incentive to like make sure the game is balanced. Like it, it's very easy to say like when in eighth edition or early ninth edition before they started running their events, they're like, Oh, GW doesn't really care about game balance. They'll let the ITC handle that. Or, you know, we'll let the TOs handle it. Ah, we don't really care. We'll just put the rules out there. But now that they're actually TOing and running their own events. Yeah. They kind of have to care a little bit more about it. So I I don't know that they were ever that laissez faire about it to begin with, but Right. I, I, that was definitely the perception was out there. <laughs> well, and and now that uh, they're also like we're using their mission pack, so they can't just let mm-hmm. well the ITC will adjust their mission pack to so that certain you know to change up the meta and change up what people are bringing. It's all on GW now. We've we've handed we've allowed GW to take control of that, which means it's now their responsibility to make yeah. sure everything is is balanced and it, yeah. you know, which it all really always was, but. It's especially their role now, and I think they are aware of that. And so this yeah. is a direct response 
to that. Um, so we're, let's just go ahead and start getting into the changes. And we're going to take it from the top of the balanced data slate document. So we'll get to, so that means the point changes will be the last things because those are the last two pages. Yeah. But uh, going from the top, first off, we have a new universal matched play rule. When mustering your army for a matched play game, it cannot include more than one aircraft model if you are playing a combat patrol or incursion sized game, more than two aircraft models if you are playing a strike force sized game, or more than three aircraft models if you are playing an onslaught sized game. So if you're p- playing a thousand points or less, you can have one aircraft. If you're playing a 2000 point game, two. And if you're playing like 2,500 to 3,000 points, you can have three aircraft in match play, which means for 99% of events, you are limited to two aircraft. That's not two aircraft yeah. per detachment. That's two aircraft in your army. Well, and also even says specifically two models. So I don't know right. that there's any like uh, units of aircraft, but like if they ever add those into the game, nope, you're still limited to just two models. So um, I've seen a number of Tau players complaining because the remora, the little like the larger flying drones with like yeah. the wings. I believe I'd have to dig out my Imperial Armor book, but I believe those are like can be basically played as squadrons. Yeah. And, okay. That's and yeah, that's th- there's some of them who are unhappy about that because they are they're like I was running six remora and now I can have two and they are definitely not equivalent yeah. to two regular sure. flyers. Sure. Um. I think in that and that's fair. I I I was not thinking about the Forge World stuff. So there certainly could be options in Forge World that that fall into that. I would. I would not anticipate the remora getting updated anytime soon, but I would anticipate the Tau Codex. We know it's coming out soon. Hopefully, you'll have better options than to just go drone heavy. God, I really hope so. I really want to play my Tau again. <laughs> and I, I really want to play my Tau again, and I don't want to play just 100 drones. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've obviously seen Mechanicus lists that were using the various Archaeoraptors, especially the Stratoraptor mm-hmm. and the Fusilov, uh, to very brutal effect. And... We've also seen orc lists that are running a lot of their flyers as well. And yeah. so this basically nips that in the bud immediately. Like you, you just can't, like you can still run them. You can still run a couple, but that's it. And, well, and they even say in their, in their article, like, not every faction in the game can even field flyers, but aircraft-heavy yeah. armies have been on the rise and have even begun to dominate recent tournaments. Warhammer 40,000 is certainly not intended to be a game controlled by dueling planes. We already have one of those in Aeronautica Imperialis. So the rules yeah. team has made a change to ensure that aircraft have more of a support role than it, rather than acting as a spearhead. Yeah, and I and we mentioned this, you know, in our kind of previous episodes where we talked about how, yeah, flyers are kind of dominating an ad mech and, you know, flyers specifically – um, or we're starting to dominate and we're starting to see those, those flyer heavy lists. I think this is a good balance because again, I don't mind flyers being in the game. I, I know there are some people that are like, no, we shouldn't have aircraft in a, in a, in a, in, a, in this game. I'm okay with them being there, but I'm, I'm glad they have a lower presence, you know, uh, uh, presence now because it, it is a little bit weird to like show up to, you know, a 2000 point 
combat, you know, battle, and one half, you know, half of one army is just planes. Like, and and again, as they pointed out specifically, some armies can't even field planes, and there's certainly power level discrepancies between planes and factions. So, uh, limiting the aircraft, I think, and and focusing more on the ground troops is is a good thing. Right. I mean, especially because the way that aircraft don't interact with a lot of the rules mm-hmm. in the game uh it it is kind it, you know they're just in a very weird place and those armies that can field aircraft that are cost efficient and that can get around some of the limitations like we see with the Archaeoraptor where it can maneuver like the way Eldar flyers do which mean but it's more cost effective and can put out more you know more damage and it gets around things like line of sight because of how it can pivot and and put yeah. itself in in position. So, um, yeah, it's it's like you don't want to just ban flyers, and you don't yeah. want to make them so bad that nobody ever takes them. But they, yeah, they need to be. I, again, like they said, a support unit. It, it's something that yeah. you add in to give you a bit more capacity rather than just being. Oh, this is the best thing in the army that can just murder everything yeah no i think this is a good i think this is a good adjustment and i think it'll it'll definitely head towards balance there's other things they added later like point cross changed on some of the flyers that were more you know that that were they were seeing more prevalently so i think between those i think we'll see that flyers still have a role but it's this is still a primarily a, a ground army game um as a quick aside uh, they mentioned in the article, they said, you know, that we already have a dueling planes game, uh, Aeronautica Imperialis. I was really, really hoping they were going to be like, death from the skies. Who pl- who remembers that? No. Sorry. No, let's put that <laughs> far away. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I was, I was, oh, it would have been so funny if they'd been like, who remembers death from the skies? Nobody, because it sucked. <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, speaking of Aeronautica, they are adding Necrons to that game as a separate force. Yeah, the, too. so there's like the new six stuff coming out or for, seven armies. Yeah, the stuff coming out for Aeronautica. I look at it, I'm like, man, I I don't need to play another game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel, but ya, I do I feel, yeah, but I do want my plastic Thunderhawk. So I I want like part of me really wants the the Tau stuff. Like I yeah I, I had a like before the pandemic hit, I had a plan to like actually split a box with somebody who wanted to the imperial like the imperial guard stuff yeah and do imperial guard versus tau but you know that didn't come to pass and i'm actually kind of grateful but anyway <laughs> yeah anyway yeah. onward onward oh. <laughs> onward onward and upward um we're gonna skip the mechanicus points updates until yep. we get to that page uh so next up Astra militarum obviously the imperial guard has not been tearing up the field no and so to uh, give the guard armies a bit of a boost, uh, they've done three things, three updates. First off, all Lehman, uh, Astra Militarum Lehman Rest models now have a two-up save. I had honestly forgotten that they changed it to three-up. Like, I, I read that and I'm like, wait, did they? Because they, they were two-up before. And I, yeah, I had forgotten that they changed them. That, that's good to get them back because Lehman Russes should be hardy. Right. Um, and uh, while the uh, Warhammer community article doesn't directly mention that, uh, the Goonhammer hot take analysis 
pointed out that this is a very good move when we've had a lot of AP minus four shooting Mm-hmm. on the table whereas if you have a three up save you you just do not save but if you have a two up save you still have a chance yeah you still and have when you also have a lot of ap3 weaponry having a five up save instead of a six up save is a is also huge so having lehman rust tanks be more durable is really good for them so yeah. they, they you know that is absolutely necessary you know necessary for that army to like it, their their mainline battle tanks should not just fall apart to current you know firepower. Absolutely. Uh, next, yeah. Uh, next, when using the tank orders ability of a regiment tank commander model, you can select one friendly regiment vehicle unit, excluding Titanic units, within six inches of that regiment tank commander model, instead of selecting a regiment Lehman Russ unit. This gives them a lot more flexibility in how they build. They don't have mm-hmm. to go all in on just Lehman Russes. They can do any non-Titanic uh, vehicle, which, I yeah. mean, would, could include things like manicores, uh, basilisks, uh, I mean, hell, even chimeras. Yeah. Yeah, Hydras no, it, it gives them so much more flexibility. Like, again, this is one where, I, and it's been a while since I've gone through the, admi- the you know, the guard codex, but like, I kind of thought that's how it was before. Like, it just seems so obvious that like, why would that just be limited to Lehman Russ? So I'm, I'm glad that they're, that they've changed it. That that's certainly uh, a much better thing for them. <laughs> and then finally, uh, each time a regiment unit with the voice of command ability issues, one of the following orders to a regiment infantry unit, that same order can be issued to one or more other friendly regiment infantry units that are within six inches of the unit. That order was originally issued to, uh, so you can basically one commander can spread an order through m- multiple units, not just two, but like if you have units blobbed up, not exactly in a platoon, but in kind of that platoon style formation, one commander can give the same order to all of them mm-hmm. with one limitation. Cause the orders they list are take aim, first rank fire, second rank fire, bring it down forwards for the Emperor, get back in the fight, and fix bayonets. The one they don't have is move, move, move. Yes. Yeah. So it keeps them from being able to just rush the table en masse, but being able to do first-ranked fire, second-ranked fire for multiple squads at once, that gives them a lot of potential damage output. I mean, almost to the point of getting them in kind of like ad mech territory. Yeah. Where, you know, they've been using these big blobs of 20, although they might not be doing that quite as much now. But I, I think these are all good changes. They fit the Astro Militarum from a flavor standpoint. For sure. And and they're all they're all good changes to give them a bit more ability without just saying like, okay, now, you know, without giving them that it's something that is broken. So I, I do like all these changes. Um, next up, Chaos Space Marines. Um, this one's uh, got mixed opinions. I'll just put that one out there. As a corn player, I love it. <laughs> Change the death <laughs> to the False Emperor ability to read. Each time a model with this ability makes a melee attack, a hit roll of six or more scores one additional hit. Uh, the main thing here is they took out the it being having to be targeted against Imperium yep. units. So yeah. they get their extra attacks against everybody. 
That's good. It's not what they were really asking for. No, that's not that is that is like fifteenth on the list of problems for Chaos Space Marines. It's a neat thing they added. Like, okay, I, where's my second wounds? Damn it! <laughs> like, I, I get that. That's because we, we talked about it a little before that. I get that adding a second wound is probably beyond the scope of what you know was going to be in this. But like, I don't. I just I don't know. I it's. It's frustrating because they released the updates for, you know, the the Space Marines, you know, right at the beginning of Ninth Edition. Like, oh, here's all the updates for the Space Marines and their updated points and their updated wound totals. And we're getting updated wound totals in, you know, Thousand Suns and Death Guard. It's like you could you there's a way that you probably could figure out how to get that buff in there. And like, hey, this unit is now just this many points. Here's the point adjustment. Here's your second wound. We'll deal with the consequences when we come up with the full codex. I I don't know. It, if they really wanted to make Chaos Space Marines more balanced, that's where they should have done. It, we'll get to the end and we'll kind of wrap up on our final thoughts. But, like, I think this makes me think that Chaos Marines might be coming sooner than later. So. Yeah. And, and this is... I mean, it's not bad to remove, especially for matched play, to remove that faction-specific... It's, yeah. it's always weird when you have, like, it's one thing to have stratagems in your codex that are, like, target particular factions or groups. That's kind of fine. And then there's going to be, there's always going to be some things like uh, Inquisitors, for example, who are reprinted in the, like, one of the Octarius books. Um, the, uh, or, like, some Inquisitors are good against Psychers, and some Inquisitors are good against Chaos. It's like, okay, that's fine. Those, there are a couple of pieces that are always kind of neat to be fluffy. But for an entire army to have an ability that does not work against half the armies in the game, yeah, that's not a good design. Where, you know, where it's an army-wide thing. Yeah, so. No, and, and I think you're right. Because, like, you could easily... You could easily add stratagems in the next codex that say, like, hey, you get an extra bonus against Imperium, you know, you, uh, Space Marines, whatever. But, yeah, like, the it, Death of the False Emperor, like, making it work for everybody is good. It is a buff. It is helpful. But it's it's not enough. Like, Chaos Marines are still in a bad, are still in a bad spot. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But... They they must not be seen to be in as bad a spot as they would need be to need a whole push up or like you said we there may be more to this than we think yeah uh, next up Imperial Knights and not just kidding Imperial Knights and Chaos Knights these go together I I actually saw someone on one of the Warhammer 40k groups on Facebook going like. What does the and mean? Why do Imperial Knights just get an and? It's because it's these, these <laughs> rules apply to both of, both of them. The, the formatting's Knights. a little weird, but I see what they're doing. <laughs> Imperial Knights, get screwed. Chaos Knights, here's all your rules. <laughs> um, however, the rules that they get are actually really good for them and addresses one of the major issues that they yeah. have in this edition and with these missions. So for Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights... Uh, all vehicle models with the Imperial Knights or Chaos Knights faction keyword gain the following ability. Towering Foe. This model counts as five models when determining control of an objective marker. If this model is a Titanic model, i.e. most anything that's not an armature, uh, it instead counts as ten models when determining control of an objective marker. 
That's huge. Yeah. That is Honestly, fantastic. That right there, like, that is, like, the one single thing in this that I think, will, 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 like, is the best. Because it now all of a sudden makes Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights viable. Because... Mm-hmm. Now, like, uh, uh, you know, one night is worth a squad of troops, like, for objectives. And, like, you don't have the weird thing of, well, one cultist ran over there and is, you know, contesting an objective against a knight, and you're screwed because you only have four models. Like, it, yeah, it, this is, this allows them to actually interact and play with the objectives of the game. And, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> and then it gets better. If every model from your army has either the Chaos Knights or Imperial Knights faction keyword, excluding agents of the Imperium or unaligned units, then all Armature class and War Dog models from your army gain the objective secured ability. I so, like that too. <laughs> yeah. So you are now actively encouraged to take, um, take Armagers because they count as five objective secure. They're basically a, a five man squad of troops, mm-hmm. which is yeah. great. Um, I, I've, I've seen some people saying that, like, you could easily start seeing lists of, like, three knights and four armagers, like, two squads of two armagers. Yeah. And yeah, suddenly, you have, you have board control, you have damage, damage output, especially if you're taking, like, Helverins for your armagers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you, you've got the ability to thin out other ranks, still be decent in, you know, be good in close combat, be very resilient, yep. and and be able to, like you said, play the objectives. Excuse me. Play the objectives because every single mission is control an objective, control two objectives, yep. control more than your opponent. And exactly. knights could not compete on those terms. They had to go for kills. They had to go for yeah. tabling their opponent because they didn't have anything any other way, especially well, when you have secondaries that are tailored to beat them. Exactly. Well, and then even even in the case of you have to play to table your opponent, the way objectives and the way like the mission score in this edition, tabling your opponent doesn't guarantee you're going to win. You know? Right, like, right. You, you still could lose. Um, so what, what I think this does... Um, both of these two together, it it makes all night armies viable again. They're not great. I don't think you're going to see all night armies just dominating and mopping up, you know, on on ta- on tournaments. But before you couldn't run just an imperial or chaos knight only army. You had to take an imperial knight with something. Imperial knight with guard with Space Marines, etc., because you didn't have any board control without it. Now you do have the ability, like, no, I want to run just, you know, Imperial Knights and Armagers, and I I'm not I'm not as good because, you know, I still have limited models, but I'm not completely out of this section of the game, uh, which is which is huge. And I, I think is desperately needed for them to to actually see these models get back on the table more frequently. And then on the flip side, if you want to splash in a Chaos Knight or, well, let's be honest, an Imperial Knight, because Chaos is garbage right now. But um, you want to splash in an Imperial Knight with, say, a Guard or a Space Marine Army. Now you have something that can set on and hold an objective by itself and is going to be very difficult to shift along with everything yeah. else you're dealing with. So, again, like, whether you're just splashing these in or trying to play a flat, you know, a pure faction benefits like it's it's so good like th- this is this is great i 
I love this because I, you know, I want to get my knights out. I want to play with them again. I love having the big fun models. Yeah, uh, you're you're going to see more knights on the table. You're, I don't think you're going to see them clean up because of this, but you're going to see them be viable. And that's really the big thing that I wanted. <laughs> I, I think what knights are going to become is, and we used to have this like in 8th edition and, and in earlier editions as well, but the idea of kind of a gatekeeper army. If mm-hmm. you can, if your army cannot deal with knights, you're going to have a real bad matchup when you run against the knight player, and there yeah. will be just enough knight players out there who you know who are playing. Yeah, you know, like, and this will encourage people to play full knight armies. Um, you're yeah. going to have enough people out there playing that that it's going to be a bad matchup, and you you know, and so now, like for example, Drukari, which is an army that is built on being able to trade, like small unit for small units like yeah i my small unit will kill two of your small units before it dies well those like witches like witches and incubi may not be able to deal with knights and knights haven't depending on the weapon loadouts like if you take like uh is it the crusader who had like the crusader build where it's uh like uh, basically can take like the battle cannon and the uh yeah, the, the uh, Avenger Crusader or Warden. Crusader. The or Warden, Warden, I think, I is just one. is the Warden. I think is the one that just has the the Gatling okay. cannon. But yeah. I think it's the Crus because it's the Gallant that has two yeah. close combat weapons and the Crusader that has two ranged cannons. That's you take okay, like yeah. okay, yeah. You take a Crusader with you know like missile pack, you know, like any of the Carapace weapons are fine, and with the Avenger cannon and a battle cannon, and you will be pulling three or f- like you'll be pulling three drukari units off the board every yeah. turn yeah <laughs> and <laughs> especially with the like the big guns never tire ability where okay yeah you assault me i can still shoot at you in the shooting phase with this avenger gatling cannon it's yeah. like you will peel those things off of you before they can take you down so it it has the potential to spoil other armies somewhat Man, now I want and to run my dual Avenger Gatling Cannon Chaos Knights again. <laughs> I'm, I'm like getting and, excited and I'm not to, saying to like, run those again. <laughs> I'm not saying like knights are going to be the hard counter to yeah. Drukari, yeah. but I think it's it's something where armies that have been built to basically deal with small vehicles and units of infantry are going to have to shift up a bit to deal yeah. with this. Like you're going to have to build more of an all comers list. With a wider range of stuff, and I think that's good. That, you're going to have to bring good. last cannons and multi meltas because knights will be on the table. But you're also going to need like the heavy bolters and and stuff like that to take care of Drakari. So yeah, like more balanced list building is is better for the game, better for everybody. Yes, exactly. Uh, Necrons. Uh, this one is is really good because. Um, of the change in and some of the uneven application of this particular thing in different codexes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is specifically add the core keyword to the keyword section of the following data sheets. Canoptic and Acanthrites, see Imperial Armor Compendium. So even the Forge World book is getting updated with this one. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Canoptic Reanimator, Canoptic Wraiths, Flayed Ones, Locust Destroyers, Locust Heavy Destroyers, Ophidian Destroyers, Scorpec Destroyers, Triarch Praetorians. So all your destroyers and pretty much all your close combat units are now core. Yeah, which is huge. <laughs> 
that that's fantastic which means you benefit from all those abilities that give re-rolls mm-hmm. and bonuses uh even triarch praetorians somebody pointed out like triarch praetorians don't have a dynasty keyword because they exist yep. outside the dynastic system so there are a lot of benefits they don't get but if you have an overlord they still can benefit from my will be done so they're yep. they're not even left out entirely but Oh, man, this is fantastic for Crons. Does it address everything is- they need? No, but it goes a long way towards giving them the same kind yeah. of synergy capabilities that other armies have. Yeah. And like this is this is an instance of, you know, because this is a ninth edition codex. Like this was first or second out of the game. One gate. of the first, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and this is an instance where like I get why they made this mistake initially by not including these all as core. Um, because again, these are all canoptic or triarch, you know, Praetorians, destroyers, things that exist outside what you would consider the core Necron army. So they didn't get the core keyword. The problem then is that the core keyword has gotten applied to most units, you know, most of the combat units and a lot of these other armies as well. And it's like, yeah, like destroyers are really great, but I don't want to take them because, you know, I can't benefit these synergies. Deans are all really good units, you know, wraiths, flayed ones, destroyers, like, Deans are good units that now can be played to their full potential. Um, and I think GW just realized that, like, yeah, the fluff component can still be done through keywords and other things, but we really need to make sure that all, all armies have, you know, a similar amount of core units to pull from. Um, otherwise, you're, they're going to fall behind really fast, even if we design the units correctly. Because I think all, right. you know, several of these are really good units. Wraiths, Flayed Ones, just, you know, the, the Scorpec Destroyers. Those are really good units. But they just, they fell behind because they lacked one, co- you know, one keyword. Right. And you look at, like, you compare it to the Space Marine Codex, which was released around the same time. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of stuff in there that has core. Yeah. Like, Terminators have core. Dreadnoughts have core. Blade Guard veterans, yeah. <laughs> veterans have core. It's like they those all have core, and so they benefit from all those synergies. And Necrons were really lacking. And so yeah, this goes a long way towards pulling them up out of the doldrums. Does it pull them out from being like a bottom tier army? I think it probably gets them into lower mid-tier, mm-hmm. which is still better. And again, if army building, that's the other thing. Like, none of these changes exist in a vacuum. Like the knights one, you change up how knights work, other armies have to adjust to deal with it. And as they're adjusting, bringing Necrons up a bit puts them on a, on a field where maybe they can deal with it. Maybe they're better at dealing with some of the things like knights or, or other armies that are adjusting for knights now that yeah. they aren't getting completely owned by these armies that don't have to deal with knights. So exactly. it'll be interesting to see how that changes things up. Yeah, not for sure. All right. Orcs. This is our last one before we get to points changes. Orcs. When mustering an orcs army, it cannot include more than one of each of the following units. And I love saying these. I'm sad that Richard isn't here with us. <laughs> Boom Decus Nazwagons, Custom Booster Blasters, Megatrack Scrap Jets, Rocket Truck Squig Buggies, and Shock Jump Dragsters. Basically, if you are a buggy, you are a one per choice. You can yeah. now that's units, not models. And I think all of those can be taken in units of three. I believe so, that's correct. Yeah. 
So you can still have an, an a mostly buggy army if you want. You just can't have like nine of the same buggy running yeah. around. Yeah. And no, I think it, that was another yeah. thing that was winning a lot, you know, as far as like orcs, it was throwing off the balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think this is good as well. Like I, you know, I'm not as familiar with like the specific issues that were coming up with, you know, with, with having a bunch of deans, but yeah, I think limiting it out and kind of trying to diversify what gets included totally makes sense. So yeah. Right. Well, and I think if it had, if those units had been one per slot, like if it had been like, if I want to take three rocket truck squig buggies, for example, I had to use three fast attack slots it wouldn't have been as much of a problem, but because that allows you to take nine of them, it kind of breaks the rule of three mm-hmm. that we've established. Um, so uh, what their commentary on the article is, since the launch of the new Orcs Codex, speed waws have been racing across the battlefield in ever greater numbers. We love them, but an assemblage of Orky vehicles should appear as a ragtag swarm of all sorts of different vehicles as described in the background. So to combat the growing trend of spamming multiple buckets, and yes, they, they actually they put spamming in like single quotes, but they're right. using the term because that's how people are referring to it. Uh, to combat the growing t- trend of spamming multiple buggies of the same kind, the rules team have now set a limit of one each one of each buggy unit, which can, of course, include up to three models. This means, for example, that you can field a maximum of three Rekatrek squig buggies in your army, which, in fairness, should be more than enough to cater to for anyone's mobile squig firepower needs. So I think it's also interesting that they've done this as kind of a, a double... Meaning one is it adjusts the balance by preventing people from just spamming the best buggies over and over again. It also they're doing it under the guise of and we want this to more closely match the fluff, which is there should be a very motley assortment of vehicles out there. They should not just be taking the one best thing. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Like, I think it's. Yeah, I think that makes sense to be like, no, like this is this is how we envision it. This is causing a problem with people just spamming, you know, the same thing. So yeah, let's try to kill two birds with one stone. So yeah, I I, I like the change. Yeah, and then we get to the points changes. And before I read those, I'm going and I'm not like I'll we'll give a summary of what those changes are, but. Uh, but they, one thing they did say here, while we don't expect most quarterly balance updates to affect points values, in this instance, the rule team has decided to officially release the upcoming Adeptus Mechanicus and Drukari points changes from the chapter-approved 2022 pack early. These two factions have been dominating the Warhammer 40,000 meta for some time now, so these points adjustments are being brought forward to help rein in their dominance. So a couple of things that are interesting there. One is, do not expect most of the balance data slates to have points changes. They will mostly right. just be rules changes. Right. Uh, the other Which is, is that these are, yeah. The other is these are the chan- the changes that are going to be in chapter approved 2022. So don't expect these to change again when that drops. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's kind of interesting, but they're like, which basically says, we know these have been an issue. We were kind of hoping to hold off on adjusting it until then but obviously it's so much of an issue if we're going to do rebalancing we have to do this now like we have to to pull this up now no i think it's good I, I think it's good that they acknowledge that like no this is an issue and we we're, we're doing something different but don't expect this going forward so right yeah. right and so here are the the changes 
And I'm going to uh, lean on the the Goonhammer hot take mm-hmm. article because they actually have the uh, the changes listed. Because this is the list of all the points for the army, and not everything changed. In fact, most things right. didn't. Right. So, so first off, we'll do Adeptus Mechanicus, which I think was in the the biggest need of adjusting right now. And and losing the the multiple multiple flyers definitely helps balance. But here are the cha- here are the other changes. Uh, Sakaran infiltrators and rust stalkers are both up two points per model. Cerberus raiders are up four points per model. Their data tether, which is the thing that allows the Skatari marshals to be able to like share like abilities, mm-hmm. uh, that is that is five points per model more. Um, Skitari Vanguard are a point per model more, and the Data Tether and Omnispecs are both five points more expensive. Same with Skitari Rangers. So those big blobs of troops are like a 20 unit, uh, a 20 model unit of Rangers, for example, which we saw like, like London GT, for example, was one run by a list that had like, what we found like five or six of these. Yeah, several. It's going to be, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like each one of those units is going to be 20 to 25 points more expensive depending on like what war gear they take. So maybe mm-hmm. even as much as 30 points ex- more expensive. So that will add up really fast. Uh, on top of that, Tech Priest Manipulus, 10 points more expensive. Skatari Marshall, 10 points more expensive. He was way under cost. I think he was like a 40 yeah. or 45 point model. 45, yeah. 45 yeah, so points. He's now so he's like 55 now, which is still pretty inexpensive for a character, but 45 was really cheap. Um, Iron Strider Balistari, 10 points per, more per model. Uh, the Archaeoraptor Fusilov and Stratoraptor are both 20 points per model more. And then the Artisan's Holy Order is 10 points more expensive, and the Lagi Holy Order is 5 points more expensive. So basically all the good stuff is now yeah. 10 to 20 to, depending on how you take it, 10, 20, 30 points more expensive, which helps bring those to, like, they've these units have shown that they are, they are too exploitable at their current cost. Yeah. No, like, it, the, the big change that I saw with, like, Admech, I think, is the fact that they, you know, they did find, they, they did extend, extend the units to go up to 20, and they were under-costed, so you could get big blobs of cheaper troops, so now that, you know, one point or, or two points, yeah, one point, two points, you know, depending on what it is, doesn't seem like it's that much. But if you're applying that to, to four units of 20 troops, that adds up very quick. Um, so right. I think what you might what you might actually see, especially in conjunction with some of the other changes with the knights and some of those things, you, you might go back to seeing 10-man units, like, you know, just to kind of cut the cost down, which that means that all of a sudden that unit is half as resilient, has half the firepower, you know, you know, so it's, it's a very interesting thing. Like just these point tweaks, there's a couple different ways that it can go. Maybe instead of four blobs of 20, you have two blobs of 20 and two smaller units. Yeah. You know, to, to, so it, it, it does have a tangible impact um, on, on how these armies will play. Um, We'll see if it's enough, you know, that I can't say, I can't say offhand, but uh I'm I'm excited. I I think these are all trending in the right direction, and I think are targeting the right things. Yeah, and then uh, there was one price drop, and that was the Castle and Robots are now ten points per model cheaper, 
And I remember, like, I've played against a Mechanicus army, like, early on, where, like, right after their codex dropped. And the Castlin robots are actually pretty nasty. Like, they, Ooh, they're very in good, some yeah. ways, they aren't as abusable with, like, the, uh, like, the, the setting that allowed them to fire twice. Like, that, like, they're not quite that powerful, but they're no slouches in close combat. So taking, yeah. you know, Castlins that are, like, one fist and one gun, was a very viable choice. And so there was some experimentation with that early on. I saw people running it and then everything quickly went to, but this is the best build. And yeah. now that these are cheaper, you know, per model, because they're what? I mean, they're 90 they're points 90, model they're now. They're 90 points. Of, yeah. There's, they're still not cheap. Like this is still, no, this is a, it's a very good unit because it's expensive. But at 100 points or, you know, 105, if you give, if you upgrade the blasters and stuff, that was, that was too much. Cause if you take a six, if you took a six robot unit, that's six that's more expensive than a knight. <laughs> yeah. And it does not put out the firepower of a knight. So yeah, like this tweaking their points down and like it, it isn't a huge change, but tweaking their points down makes them more competitive. They are still a very good choice and you will see them mixed in, but they are not. They didn't drop it to the point where it's such an obvious, like, oh, now this is the thing that everyone's going to take. Um, but I, I think they, I think they remain competitive, and they're they're more competitive in this army now. Agreed, agreed. All right, and then the other uh, major points changes are to Drukari, and again, this they posted the points for everything, but here are the major changes. So. Price this and this one is a bit more balanced on both sides as far as increases and decreases. So increases, mm-hmm. archons are five points more per model. It was they were a little bit on the cheap side as far as as like major characters go. That's fine. Yeah, succubus twenty points per model. That's a huge jump, but that's also because succubuses with like uh, like razor flails, cult of strife, and I think it was like lotus toxin were doing ridiculous amounts of damage. They're super exactly. cheap because they were like they were what, 60 points because they're 80 yeah. they're 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 80 they're, now. So yeah, they were 60 now, points yeah. per model and none of those upgrades really cost much as far as points. So a 60 mm-hmm. point per model or 60 point model that could just go in and shred an entire unit of infantry by itself, not great. And so 80 points per model makes it it's still effective, but you're giving up you're going to have to give up a little bit to take her. So I think yeah. that's good. Also along that line, witches, two points per model more. Did you ever think we'd see the day when they'd have to adjust the price of witches up to balance them? This game has has definitely taken a turn in the last several years for sure. <laughs> and I do. Witches I used so to be wish ga- Dennis hot garbage. <laughs> I so wish Dennis was here to be able to comment on this because he loves witches. But yes. yeah, they were so bad like for a very long time. <laughs> But now that this addition is much more friendly to combat and like a unit yeah. of 10 witches pouring out of a raider where, you know, you mm-hmm. know, and having several raiders full of witches was like a really nasty kind of shock assault. Now you can still do it. But again, a unit of witches is going to cost you more. Yeah. Incubi, uh, a unit that definitely was very killy in this edition. Two points per mer- Per model more, which makes that unit ten to ten to twenty because they can go five to ten. Uh, five yeah, to ten. Five so, to yeah. ten. So, so yeah. So ten to twenty points per per unit. 
Um, the upgrade for Trueborn or Bloodbride uh, to upgrade your warriors or your witches uh, is a point extra point per model more. Uh, Raider Dark Lances are ten points per model more. Uh, as you know, they the point upgrade for if you just compare it to the older to the codex as printed, it would seem like Raiders went up more, but that's because they had already had gone from like 85 to 95 points to kind of mm-hmm. make up for the fact that their toughness went up when this new codex came out. But they were still a fantastic Dark Lance platform because you didn't have to pay for the Dark Lances. Well, now you right. do, and they are so that's more expensive. And it also encourages people to take a different unit, which we'll talk about in a second. And then the Kronos, which is a unit that uh, Matt Root has used quite well to mm-hmm. it in his uh, Drukari list. Uh, Kronos are now five point per model more, and he was taking, what, like six Kronos? So that's an extra 30 points he would have to fit into his list. Yeah, Kronos, Kronos good stuff has been, you know, one of the Drukari builds. This adjusts, you know, this accounts for that. Now, as yeah. far as point drops, the Homunculus is 10 points per model less. The Talos ten point drop ten points per model. Grotesques drop five points per model. The Ravager, which is the heavy weapons platform that the Raider, you know, really shouldn't be used as. Like the the Ravager is what yeah. you should be using for your heavy weapons. As far as GW is concerned, that dropped ten points. And the Ravager also gets its Dark Lances for free. So right. So in this case, the Raider has to pay for a Dark Lance. The Ravager, which is only 35 points more, does not and can mount three of them. So you can definitely see what they're encouraging you to do. Yeah, for sure. Like, because if they're going to be the same price or, you know, or, you know, before where they were kind of like the same, you know, same kind of equivalent price, it's like, yeah, like, I will take the one that can take, you know, what, two Dark Lances and a squad of troops over the one that just takes an extra dark lance. So yeah, this, this brings them, this specializes them more, which is good. Uh, I, I yeah. like that a lot. And then the void Raven and razor wing, their two flyers are 10 points per model less. And again, you're limited to two, but mm-hmm. uh, those are now good compliments to your, you know, again, to kind of bring anti-tank ant slash anti-knight capability which you're going to need to carry and raiders are going to be an expensive way to do it because a six like if you bring six raiders that's 600 that's going to be like 630 points if you put dark Mm -hmm. lances on all of them not counting any of the other upgrades you might put on them exactly so no this 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 moves the the heavy you know the dark lance platforms to dark lance platforms and makes your raiders trip transports which is how it should be. Yes. I mean, you can still run Dark Lances, and that's still probably sure. the better choice, but it makes the Raider, like, you have to pay for it, and, it, it like, if you go for that, like, I my transport is also my anti-tank, it's going to cost you a little bit more. And yep. so, yeah, it's, it, it, it the, these points changes feel targeted to, let's hit the, the lists that are too good right now, and yet, at the same time, but we want to encourage more homunculus covens with, like, the homunculus, the talos, the grotesques. We want to encourage people to take the dedicated anti-tank units. Uh, th- I'm good with all these changes. I think that this, yeah. these – and it feels like these changes, like, you can see what the logic is on them as opposed to, like, they don't seem capricious. You know, they don't seem, like, yeah. out of nowhere, like – 
And and again, like going back to one of the very first things we said about balance here, this isn't you can maybe make the argument a little bit on the the admix side, but like at least for the Jerkari points updates, this isn't just the nerf bat coming in and and knocking everything down. This is we're trying to rebalance this army so that things are internally balanced within this codex as well as you know level the playing field with other armies so i i think it's i think this is a lot more like thoughtful and like more has gone into this than probably what has gone into like some of the previous big faqs because it seems like the previous big faqs in eighth edition were just kind of more about fixing problems and like you know points are going to go up we're going to take this ability away we're going to restrict things this seems like it's much more of you know, trying to find that sweet spot. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's better for the game. Agreed. Agreed. And that, that covers the entire document. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that are not in this and, and what that may mean. So yeah. first off, gray knights are not covered here. Gray knights have been one of those armies that have been kind of on the, the, the rise lately. You know, they're, their codex came out strong, especially with like leaning heavily on Dread Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no adjustments to them here. There's no point adjustments. There's no rules adjustments. No changes to any data sheets. Grey Knights are not mentioned at all. Yeah. Now, one possibility is Grey Knights are where they want them to be. The other possibility is that Grey Knights are new enough. They want to collect more data before they make any changes. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I, I think that is completely fair. Since they're going to be doing this on a quarterly basis, if you don't do it now, you can do it in three months, and it's not. It doesn't feel like it's been as long. It's more time to collect data. You're not you, and find out like how this, how Grey Knights are going to impact up against these other changes. So I, I, I like that. I kind of like that they're giving it time to breathe and kind of figure out where it's going to shake out. Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's see. We don't see Death Guard, uh, Thousand Sons, uh, Adeptus Sororitas in here. And yep. from all reports, those armies, and, and, and both, you know, independently as well, from all reports, those armies are actually kind of where they should be. They are Absolutely. good. They are internally balanced and they, they are holding their own. They're designed the way they should be. And so there's no reason to adjust their balance because they are fine where they are. Um, yep. Space Marines kind of fall into this as well, even though Space Marines have been leaning really heavily on uh, Dreadnought builds, but apparently it must not be seen as disruptive enough to uh, really upset the balance of the game. And we're still seeing cool. a number of different builds, like uh, Death Watch has been doing some di- interesting builds lately, too. Well, and the thing is, Space Marines have so many tools in their tool chest that, you know, they're... Obviously, there's going to be builds that that, that kind of gravitate to the top, but uh, they can easily adjust without like having to make a lot of changes to the balance of the book itself. But let's say that like Dread Knight and or Dreadnought and Dread Knight lists kind of dominate with Grey Knights and space and Space Marines. You know what's a really good anecdote to Dreadnoughts? Imperial Knights. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if if your little your little you know tiny uh, robot is running around and and gets stepped on by a bigger robot. Maybe you don't take as many of them. So, like, I think that'll kind of. I think they're anticipating that those will sort themselves out with the other balance effects that they're trying to do here. Yeah. Also, 
I would think Space Marines, because there are so many sub-factions that pl- have very different balance and play very differently, yeah. like different balancing factors, they have to be very wary about how they adjust Space Marines because it, like, a change that is fine for one sub-faction, like, like take Iron Hands from, like, some of the stuff we saw in 8th <laughs> edition. Yeah. Iron Hands, yeah, like... Th- a change that would not really impact Raven Guard or White Scars much at all could be a devastating to the format in the hands of Iron, yeah. Iron Hands. So yeah. it's you've got to be very careful how you do it. Like if you make the assault stuff too good, then Blood Angels and now Black Templars have the potential to run roughshod. And that might be another thing is we just we're just getting Black Templars. Like they yeah. go up for pre-order this weekend. They don't want to change the balance on that right Agreed. away. Like, let's yeah, wait agree. three to six months, see how they adjust things, and yeah. uh, we'll move on. Um, we also didn't cover, uh, we didn't see any changes for custodes and uh, gene stealer cults for a similar reason. Yep. Because they're getting a codex in a month. Yeah, it'd be weird to put out their, their updates, like, their chapter approved updates or their FAQ updates before the book comes out. <laughs> right. It was like, yeah, we'll give them some balance changes and in 30 days, it won't matter. And right. so, okay, that's fine. We don't see Tau listed. Yeah. Tau and Eldar were like the two kind of conspicuous ones for me because they're both like not in a good spot right now. And like, we know that Tau are getting a new codex you know, beginning of the year, first codex of the year, so probably January. Um, so that that makes sense. It kind of makes me wonder about Eldar because it's like, well, okay, they didn't give any updates to Eldar. There's certainly updates that need to be made to Eldar um, to get them in balance. Are Eldar coming sooner than we think? Like, I, I would love to see it. I, I would love to see them do like a big wave, kind of like what we did with Templars. Where you go in and you update some of those old third edition fine cast kits and give them new plastics and uh, give them a shiny new codex and kind of elevate them. And that that may be why they're not in this document either. Yeah, very possibly. And if they are coming out early next year, it may be a matter of their codex is going to function differently enough from the 8th edition codex that... Like, there's no point in trying to do a small bit of balancing when For sure. maybe in four months, yeah. they're going to play completely differently. So that, yeah. that's a possibility. I think that's also, I mean, we obviously we know about the Tau Codex because they've announced it. But I think that's also a very distinct possibility as well, that ninth edition Eldar and Tau are going to be different enough from their eighth edition counterparts, which they kind of need to be. Um, that, yeah, that it's not, it wasn't worth going in and kind of doing the, the quick band-aid patch on a few things because it's going to be completely different in a short period of time. Um, that's also kind of why I think that, you know, uh, as we mentioned with the chaos space Marines, you know, sure. Death of the false emperor is a nice little buff, but it's like the 15th, you know, biggest problem they had. I wonder how much different chaos space Marines are going to play and, you know, the things and how quickly they're going to come out because, there's some really big fundamental changes to that codex. And if you're going to be seeing that codex in the next three months, four months, then yeah, maybe it isn't worthwhile to go through and do a bunch of balance changes 
you know, right now because it's going to be coming soon enough and then we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. So that's reading the tea leaves a little bit, trying to figure out like what's coming next. We know they're not going to stop the codex train anytime soon, but uh, hopefully that gives me a little glimmer of hope that maybe Tau and chaos space Marines will get updated sooner than later. Yeah. Well, and they did say that, you know, 2022 chaos was like 2020. They weren't getting a, a codex before the end of the year, but not to fret because 2022 was going to be a good year for chaos. So that's definitely a possibility is that we're going to see them sooner rather than later. Tau, we know they're one of the first codexes. So yeah, there's, there's no reason to put a a functional update when in two months, like a quarterly update doesn't make sense when in two months you're going to get updated. Yeah. And so there's one last thing they have at the bottom of this article. And it's something that actively concerned Dennis when we were talking about it because Dennis is getting yeah. ready to play at the Austin Open. He, you know, which is next not this weekend but the weekend after. And they haven't really announced much in the way of like a rules cutoff that I'm aware of and that he was aware of. Yeah. But this paragraph right here is Interesting in what it says. These rules will be in effect at all future official Warhammer events, as well as many upcoming independent Warhammer 40,000 match play events, such as the Leicester City GT, the Frontline Gaming New Orleans Open, and the games of Westeros X in Vastras, Sweden. Uh, the Warhammer 40,000 app will automatically update to include the changes. Warhammer Plus subscribers have access to all the rules and data sheets within the app. Sign up now, etc. But... Those two, like, first off, this is now in effect. What does right. that mean for all the people who have built their Mechanicus and Drukari lists and have them all ready to go yeah. for for Austin? Do they get a waiver because it happened so close to Austin? Like, is Austin going to be the last pre-balanced data slate event? Or is it going, are they going to enforce the changes and people have to change up their lists in the last minute? Are they in effect for the Austin Open? Because we don't really know what the rules cut out. At least I I don't know. I'm not attending yeah. it. So, uh, but well, that was a concern Dennis had. Was like the Mechanicus and Drukari players, for example. They theoretically have submitted lists. Yeah. No. I wouldn't those be this be validated? <laughs> yeah. I. I so for, you know this is secondhand because this is from Dennis because I'm not going to the game the other event in Austin, but yeah apparently there's been very little communication to the players about when rules cutoffs are and changes and things like that because you know we're we're to take a moment to plug our own event um, you know we're tos we run a GT event you have to be very clear with when your rules cutoff is when your FAQ cutoff is when your codex cutoff is because you have to give people time. To be able to build their lists, to paint their armies, to get their models ready. And you can't, uh, you know, two weeks before an event be like, and now we're completely changing your list. Like it, that's, you have to communicate that stuff as, as TOs, like you just have to, you have to get those rules and those deadlines set well in advance so that everybody knows. And it, it sounds like they've kind of dropped the ball on that for the Austin event. Agreed. Yeah. Like that you need to have that in place. And it puts events like Renegade Open, for example. Renegade Open is the same weekend as the Austin Open. It puts them in an odd spot because, you know, I imagine they're going to have it. They've probably announced a cutoff. And in fact, I'm going to check their. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now, actually. Yeah. But I, I know they're always very good at announcing 
cut off, you know, like rules cutoffs for their 40k events. And let's see, in addition to new balance updates for this year for the Renegade 40k major, uh, let's see, that's they've now used player optimized terrain. Okay, today a massive FAQ dropped for Warhammer 40k. This will be in full effect for all War- Renegade 40k across all tournaments. Lists will be due November 13th. So lists are due this weekend. So Renegade Open has basically said, yeah, this is in play. You have yeah. a, you have a week, you have two weeks to adjust. Man, that's, that's, I get that's, it. Like I, I get it. That's a tight window that, that sucks. Like that's a, that's a bad position to put them in as DOs. Like that's, that sucks. I feel, but for at the same time, the balance issues that that's how, how much the balance has been impacting enjoyment of the game is that if they don't do this, they know what's going to happen. It's going to be an ad mech and Drukari show. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're kind of in a lose-lose situation. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's... So, my my impression is that uh, Austin Open's probably in the same boat. It's like, yeah, this is immediately in effect. Um, and yeah, But I also I, like yeah. the fact that they are pointing out independent events that will also be using this to show that we're not the only ones running events. And that if you go to these events, these rules will be in effect as well, which then just encourages the rest of the community to adopt them as well. So I get what they're doing, but it is problematic that they're dropping it. And something else Dennis brought up in our conversation with him was, was that uh, they aren't good at hitting schedules. With no. like quarterly dates, <laughs> we talked about that no, with uh, you know when they were doing the big FAQ. But if you're going to do this quarterly, and especially if these are going to be these balance these balancing things, these aren't just like small errata or FAQs. Like the the Imperial Knights one completely shifts how they play and completely shifts yeah. their impact on the on the field. Uh, the Necron one completely updates how they play. And, and what kinds of builds you can take. So dropping these on a, I mean, and Games Workshop hasn't, you know, they've said quarterly, that still gives them a lot of wiggle room. But if you're one of the people holding an event the week or two, like, and they drop something like a week or two before your event, you're in a really weird spot. Yeah. So um, actually looking at the Eventbrite page for, um, for the Austin Open, they mention it, that there is a link. There's a link for the uh, um, Army construction document, etc. And they do mention that November 13th is their cutoff date for rules. So, so this this, this will be in effect. in effect. Yeah. Okay. This will this will be in a, in effect for for Austin. And you know that's again I, that's probably needed to be communicated a little bit better. But it, it is it is out there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so it it is it is going to be in 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 place for that. So if you were planning on going, you got to get your list submitted. Uh, you got to make changes soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, there's no time to wait, um, and especially if you were playing if you were playing Mechanicus or Ducari, you absolutely need to update your list now. If you were if you thought about playing Knights, maybe you'd make that decision. Maybe like you were kind of holding yeah. off, or maybe you dust them off. Uh, and if you're playing uh, Chaos Space Marines, I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, that's honestly, that should just be a default statement at this point, because it's been this way <laughs> literally since I've played this game. Like the, there was a brief, shiny, shiny moment 
where I had the a Trader Legends called, book. Called, well, okay, two two brief brief shiny moments because the Chaos Legions book was even a briefer moment. But for like a brief like year and a half time period, I had I could rest my head on like the shiny beacon that was Corn Demonkin, and then I just can't have nice things. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The other thing I bring up, and this I'm, is something I'm else. the victim. Oh, here. go ahead. <laughs> you are I'm well, the victim here. Yeah, perennially the victim, <laughs> which means you have adopted the ethos of the Chaos Space Marine. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Sorry, you cry because it's true. It's <laughs> so funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is also something that Dennis brought up in our conversations with him. That last line about the Warhammer 40,000 app will automatically update to include the changes. That would be fantastic if it worked properly. Yeah. His, like, he, he's playing sisters who are not getting any of these updates, and it still won't calculate his list properly. I have a Death Guard army that, depending on how, what numbers you look at, either adds up to 1996 or 2046. And that extra 50 points is tied to like one or two units, but isn't reflected in any of their costs. There's phantom costs going on. Their app is not. I mean, it works for a lot of stuff, but it still doesn't add things up right, and they haven't fixed those issues. And it's, and I've like I've even tried like just deleting and recreating the list, and the same thing happens. But I can't account for the point increases. Like if I compare it to Battle Scribe, and yeah, but I feel for the people who maintain the Battle Scribe data because they've got to hustle to get these updated too. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. I, so. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, I, it needed to be done because we had been setting in a position where Drew Kari and Admech were were too good, were were you know just winning too. You know, it, it's not even like oh they're winning events and we want to. It's like no, they were too good. They were not fun to play against. They only lost to themselves. The game needed this um, because I've seen a lot of discussion of people online. Some of it I'm sure is hyperbolic, but. A lot of people that are like, I, I might not play this anymore because it's just not fun. Like, it's not fun to go to an event and run into, you know, get your teeth kicked in by three Drakari lists. Um, and that they have a point. Like, this needed to be done. Absolutely. And I'm glad that they're, I'm glad that they're also committing to doing it going forward. That's the big thing. And my concerns about them missing deadlines, which is completely valid and they do all the time. <laughs> I just I I think if they can keep the updates smaller and more frequently, it'll be easier to stay on on uh, uh, on a deadline. I hope. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. And we'll see if like the next quarterly update will still maintain some of these things. Like, will the flyers change still be listed? And, like, will it just kind of be a rolling document that yeah, expands so. as more stuff it. gets. Like, so for example, like let's say. You know, when Chaos Space Marines, like, obviously, like, when the new uh, chapter approved comes out in, like, a month or so, uh, the points changes get removed because that'll be reflected in a print book. Sure. Um, when Chaos Space Marines get a new codex, that line will get pulled. But this also means that, like, guard players, knight players, um, Necron players, they don't have to wait for a campaign book or a new codex to to adjust and we'll see what other factions need that. So I, I would love, you know, maybe they get to the point where 
they don't need to roll too many more changes. But again, with like Grey Knights, like Templars, like we we haven't seen what some of these new armies can really do or are just starting to show what they can do. So, but yeah, having this in, in small, repeatable doses, if they can get it like the first or second week of, let's see, the next one would be February. If like the second week of yeah. February, we get our next quarterly update in t- you know so like people going to adepticon have a month to adjust great um LVO or they be, or, will still be working yeah. off of this this rule set and so they, they they get very ambitious and they do it like the first week of january and throw lvo off its off its game <laughs> please don't do well, that lvo you know, would that have three lvo would have like th- two to three weeks to adjust but yeah yeah but still don't do that <laughs> <laughs> so are there some concerns a- about this? Sure, but it seems like most of the community is like immediately on board, and most response I've seen to this, apart from like like diehards, uh, Chaos Space Marine players, like most people have been pretty positive on this. Um, they didn't, and even that, like Mechanicus and Drukari, yes, they got hit with some nerfs. But it doesn't gut them as a faction either. Yeah, it just brings yeah. them to a more reasonable level. So if they can keep up this release schedule, if they can keep these changes flexible, if they can uh, you know, keep an eye on what's dominating and start adjusting things, like if they see that certain units are like it let's for example, let's say it turns out sister novitiates just end up like shifting the the balance of sisters out of whack. We might see an adjustment to sister, or maybe it turns out novitiates are actually crap, and I'm reading them wrong, and <laughs> maybe they they get pumped up. I don't know, but it's like that's they they reserve the right to do this out, and and this I'm assuming does not get rid of the normal errata cycle either. Like that, codexes right. will still get eroded, typos will get fixed, in a in or unexpected interactions will get tweaked. But the entire playing field gets updated quarterly. I'm totally on board for this. I think it's fantastic. It's good to see them really getting back to acknowledging the balance issues for the game. Yes. So yeah, I I, I hope we continue to see this going forward. I think this is a fantastic step. And I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Renegade Open and the Austin Open – results come out like i'm really interested in seeing does this shake up things enough to change the field also if this is happening quarterly maybe this means we're going to start seeing a meta that doesn't stagnate like you know we talked about like six months where the meta like would stabilize you know with the big faqs yeah maybe well as the meta doesn't completely shift but it stays kind of fluid yeah and i think that's where gw wants the game to be they they want it to be you know, fluid, I think is the right way. Like, they want it to be kind of shifting and changing, but not, you know, not like these gigantic waves of changes and stuff. I I think if they can keep, you know, if they can just keep it flowing and keep it going and and keep the game diverse and interesting, then that's that's where the game needs to be. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I think this is good. I have some quibbles with individual parts of it and some of the execution, but overall, I see this as a positive. 
Well, I think that wraps up this emergency broadcast. I'm going to try to have this out as soon as I can. Uh, we had a couple of drops during recording, so I'm going to have to do some editing magic to get it all together and make it seem mostly seamless. But, <laughs> but that that's kind of what I coherent, do. So yeah, <laughs> that that is an all day job, sir. Exactly. I will have you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But from uh, both of us here at Preferred Enemies, because I can't really say all of us, because there's only two right now. But from both of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm Rob. And I'm Kevin. Good night, good gaming, and good on GW for trying to maintain good balance. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve.